0: I get this massive sudden headache my ears start ringing I lose balance on one side I used to get what is called orthostatic hypotension so I can sometimes feel lightheaded especially in the morning so I thought it's one of those but then what concerned me is I lost balance on one side and not both sides I just couldn't there was a lot of light sensitivity as well so I couldn't see much i was trying to communicate that oh, no, my voice is not coming i trust me i'm not drunk i just i don't know what's going on so i think i got an infarct in uh cerebellum if you believe so one of the coordination so i was still while going through pain and all of this i was still lucid overall so i called my wife uh so she's still in transition of moving here uh she lives on the east coast of the united states and uh I just told her, I don't know, I I think I'm having a stroke. My voice is not coming out. If it was migraine, apparently within 24 hours it subsides and you go back to normal, but it wasn't the case for me. So the next morning I wake up, I still haven't recovered my speech. My coordination is all messed up. So my wife started calling the doctors and just started almost demanding an MRI because that's what could detect the block or detect the clot. And once she did that... It took us a little bit of pushing around, I guess. The medical doctor saying that this is a, this is a stroke, you need to give a stat, essentially, give it an urgent referral, if you will. Uh, so there were no triggers. I was tired, I guess, but that comes with just hiking and driving cross country. No other triggers or nothing that worried me that I might have a, have a risk of a stroke. In the end, they could not, so they called it, I guess, a cryptogenic stroke. So there was nothing that they could point out with respect to any of the vital markers.
1: Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to the fourth season of Stroke Stories. This is the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. A cryptogenic stroke is a stroke with an unconfirmed or unknown origin. Current statistics suggest that about a third of ischemic strokes are cryptogenic. In this episode, we'll hear from Manish Shetty from Texas, who suffered a stroke at the age of 32.
0: Life with first stroke, I was, and I still relatively try to be a little active. In my teens and early twenties, I used to play soccer quite often, go for longer runs, like five miles or longer. Even in fact, three weeks before the stroke, I had completed like a 10 to 15 mile hike with my wife and that was enjoyable. Yeah, overall, I think I was very active physically, at least liked outdoors, Exploring the national parks, going out on runs and things like that. Maintaining like a healthy lifestyle overall physically. So I remember it to the date and the time. It was September 2 last year. It was the first week into my new job. So my job entails teaching, research. So I was excited to start a new job after like, I think spending a good amount of the last five years trying to get a job like this. So I was really excited, really excited to teach young kids, really excited to build a research program. So as I was getting into the job and getting into the rhythm of things, this happened in the first week, uh, I was trying to, again, get into a healthy routine. I was about to go to the gym uh, at 6.15. So this, I woke up at 5.30 a.m. I was fine. I did my ablutions, if you will, like brushing a it, showering and things like that. Suddenly at 5.55, I get this massive sudden headache. My ears start ringing. I lose balance on one side. I used to get what is called static hypotension. So I can sometimes feel lightheaded, especially in the morning. So I thought it's one of those. But then what concerned me is I lost balance on one side and not both sides. I just couldn't. There was a lot of light sensitivity as well. So I couldn't see much. And the first thing I tried to do in all of this was still try to call the gym that I won't be able to make it. Because it's orange theory here. They have like a penalty if you don't make it. It's like to hold you accountable to the workout.: I called them, but my voice was not coming. It was slurring as if I had stayed drunk the whole night and I'm calling, hungover." I was trying to communicate that, oh, no, my voice is not coming. I trust me, I'm not drunk. I just I don't know what's going on. So I think I got an infarct in uh, cerebellum, if you believe, so it's more of the coordination, so I was still, while going through pain and all of this, I was still lucid. Overall. So I called my wife. Uh, so she's still in transition of moving here. Uh, she lives on the East coast of the United States. And uh, I just told her, I don't know. I, I think I'm having a stroke. My voice is not coming out. She's a physical therapist by training. She has seen and experienced and helped rehab a lot of stroke patients and is trained. So she just said, call the ER. I think that's what you should do. I called the ER, somehow communicated that even despite the voice not coming through, Somehow, I live on the second floor rather, and I had to sort of go on all fours and come the way down for the ambulance doctors or the first responders to come to me. Initially, they were dismissive because of my age. They thought I was just having a panic attack, and I told them panic attack. I mean, I've never had a panic attack, but I know how that feels like or how depression feels like. They were dismissive, but I was insistent on going to the ER. I went to the emergency room. They ran some tests, but I think what they were looking for was a bleed. So in a, they ran CT, they ran ECG, ECG was normal. The CT was normal because all that could have shown them is a large bleed. And I didn't have a bleed, I had a clot. So they sent me home think, saying that it was just a migraine, a bad migraine. I told them that I know what a migraine feels like because I have migraine issues occasionally. This wasn't a migraine, but I was sent home with that. In all of this, my wife managed to arrive later in the afternoon she did some tests although they did some coordination tests they didn't run the whole gamut of tests and she figured out that my coordination was lost at least I didn't have I mean selectively if it was migraine apparently within 24 hours it subsides and you go back to normal but it wasn't the case for me so the next morning I wake up I still haven't recovered my speech my coordination is all messed up so my wife started calling the doctors and just Started almost demanding an MRI because that's what could detect the block or detect the clot. And once she did that, it took us a little bit of pushing around. I guess the medical doctor saying that this is a this is a stroke. You need to give a stat, essentially, give it an urgent referral, if you will. We got an MRI. Somehow one center uh, agreed to look at us, and within like this is about I think I would say thirty hours after the stroke. We were able to confirm the stroke and then the hospital started taking seriously. So by about in the next six hours, I was admitted. And then I guess the recovery process and at first the acceptance process from the doctors here and then the recovery process slowly started for me. Manish experienced no
1: warning signs or
0: symptoms before his stroke. It was all of a sudden for me because I don't have a family history of stroke either. My LDLs the cholesterol levels are normal. My weight is normal. I'm a healthy guy overall. My BMI would be about 23 to 25. I'm a good height, almost six feet. I wouldn't call myself athletic, but at least lean. Eat overall right or could always eat better. Every, each one of us could, right? So, so there was never any trigger marks, not in my health. I was tired, but but I moved uh, moved states because I am starting this new job. This is in the South. I moved from the Midwest. So Minnesota to Texas. So hmm. that's Going from the northern, close to the northern border with Canada to the southern border with Mexico. And I did a drive because I wanted to visit the national parks and do some hikes. And with COVID, that was, that was a safer way to move. Uh, so there were no triggers. I was tired, I guess, but that comes with just hiking and driving cross country. No other triggers or nothing that worried me that I might have a, I'm in risk of a stroke. In the end, they could not, so they called it, I guess, a cryptogenic stroke. So, there was nothing that they could point out with respect to any of the vital markers. I live close to Houston, and Houston has a lot of good medical hospitals along with good centers. So I ended up going to the best doctors there. And uh, what they speculate, or I guess with higher correlation, they say I have something called. I mean, quarter of the population has it. PFO, patent foramen oval, I believe, is just a shunt or a hole within the right and left ventricle which a baby, when it's born, has it and it shuts automatically. But for the quarter of the population, it doesn't. So I have that opening and it's correlated, at least the people with cryptogenic strokes with no causes, a large fraction of them apparently have these PFOs. So the only thing that I could do after a months of testing is close that so that there is no, if there is a clot anywhere in my body, uh, if the shunt is closed, probably the clot will go to the lung and lung is more forgiving rather than going to the brain.
1: Coming up on Stroke Stories, Manish on the importance of the support of friends and family.
0: My friend, one of my dear friends, had a stroke, more of a hemorrhagic stroke, 10 years ago, at the age of 22. I just reached out to him right away. I my mean, wife was there as a rock, so that helped couple of my friends stayed with me for a month to just help us out for a month as well, just to make sure they're just there. Even if I don't need as much like physical help, a coordination, yes, but they could be there and just help us cook and clean. And on acceptance. Accepting what I had gone through, not being in a denial, because there are some lifestyle changes that I incorporated and I am incorporating. And I'm recognizing my limitations, but also knowing that I need to put one foot in front of the other and focus on my recovery and make the next day better than the last. And if I have a tough week or a tough day, just acknowledge as part of the recovery, and the next day is going to be better, hopefully.
1: Let's hear from Manish about the progress of his recovery.
0: In the broader scheme of things and how people with strokes suffer, I would still say I'm relatively high-functioning. I mean, overall, as I see back, it's only been eight months and it's kind of crazy that I'm still, I think, okay, let's go back. And if there's one thing that's sort of still lingering and it might linger for months and years is chronic fatigue. I'm just always tired. So one of the challenges I face overall is just, I mean, I look fine. I still haven't put on weight. I still am sprightly because I'm a little young. So I have a spring on my step. So colleagues and people who know what I've gone through, the thing that I've recovered, but what I feel is what I feel. I still am tired. I'm still trying to just get through the day. Cognitive load physically tires me, but I know I have to be physically active. So some days I have to choose one between the one or the other. But if I go look back, I think crazy. A couple of things. I think I got the support that I needed from an institutional perspective. Teaching is part of my responsibility. So I was relieved of that for a semester. So I didn't have to teach. So I could focus on my recovery. I was still paid while I was recovering, so I didn't have to worry about financial aspects. The coordination took about two or three months to get back. The sound and noise sensitivity took about four or five months, I would say, before I started feeling better about it. Initially, it was all about trying to be coordinating and trying to put, maybe getting a 15-minute workout, even if it's just a coordination exercise or maybe one hour of cognitive load. And just building up from there to now I can I think yeah survive I guess is the right word maybe survive multi-hours of like cognitive load and maybe put in a workout a few days a week uh, I still as I said face issues with chronic fatigue I do have these fleeting moments I have bad days and bad weeks where um, yeah I just have this bad headache and unsteadiness I'm unsteady on my feet and I just have to sit down and just be kind to myself but overall in In larger scheme of things, I think I celebrate my little victories if I get in a workout and happy, if I put in a long day at work and I'm happy at the end, I'm happy. I mean, in March, I put in, although I had to be really focused on where I spent my efforts, I managed to still put in 11 mile hike and I could still do that within six months. I mean, it was difficult. It was, I took my time. Much slower than I was, I was before, but I still managed to do it. So I celebrate those little victories. And yeah, looking back at six months or looking back at eight months. Yeah, I've come really far. I have a long way to go, but I've still, still come very far. I think I, I take comfort in that. Manish
1: returned to work very quickly.
0: It was crazy when I look back and I think <laughs> maybe I needed something as a grounding factor, like some motivation to like get better and focus on my recovery. I honestly came to my office within four weeks and I should not have done that when I look back. I was in office for a couple of hours every, maybe I started off like one hour a day, two days a week initially, and then built up from there. And I think four weeks later, I moved from like an afternoon or a morning for two or three days a week. And the rest of the day is just resting. I built up from there, but I think I should have given myself more time, maybe two months of like, Just recovery and just focusing on, yeah, just recovering my body. I should not have done that, but yeah, I was at work within three to four weeks. For me, it was support. I think one is acknowledgement of what I went through. Someone understands it helped. I mean, my friend, one of my dear friends had a stroke, more of a hemorrhagic stroke 10 years ago at the age of 22. I just reached out to him right away. I mean, my wife was there as a rock, so that helped. A couple of my friends stayed with me for a month to just help us out for a month as well, just to make sure they're just there. Even if I don't need as much like physical help, a coordination, yes, but they could be there and just help us cook and clean. And they could work from home. I mean, COVID has helped us do that. But I think it's just support and acknowledgement of what I was going through. Just helped with accepting what I had gone through not being in a denial because there are some lifestyle lifestyle changes that I incorporated and I am incorporating and recognizing my limitations, but also knowing that I need to put one foot in front of the other and focus on my recovery and make the next day better than the last. And if I have a tough week or a tough day, just acknowledge as part of the recovery, the next day is going to be better, hopefully. And? Manish on perseverance. Don't give up. I mean, I know I'm on the lighter scale of how bad it could be. But don't give up, I think. Take it one day at a time. As long as next week is better or you are better today than the previous week, you're still making progress. Challenge yourself and be grateful for what you are as well because if there's one thing that stroke or there's some kind of life changing event teaches you is let's say you have to be grateful for things that you have and enjoy life in a way, not in a way where you go crazy, but at the same time, enjoy life and be grateful that things that you have, because life just at the vagaries of life, one moment can take it all away. So if you focus on perhaps those end goals and not enjoy the journey, then that's sort of, that's probably not how life should be lived. Maybe, I mean, I mean, to be a big thing to say, but that's one thing that I got out of this experience and just being kinder to myself. And as I'm recovering yeah, just acknowledging that it's a nonlinear process and just making sure to making daily progress and celebrating little victories. With regards to, I guess, the loved ones or the near and dear ones of stroke survivors, be there, acknowledge what they've gone through, uh, be supportive, try to push them, but acknowledge what they're going through. I think. We want our loved loved ones and near and dear ones to do better and be a better version of themselves. But I think the first step is still acceptance of what they have gone through. And if they have, as you're helping them get better, acknowledge that and acknowledge that there'll be worse days and better days. And most importantly, I think as a caregiver, take care of yourselves because this can take a toll on you. And if you don't take, take care of yourselves, you can't take care of your loved one or a stroke survivor. Manish has made a remarkable recovery after his
1: stroke. He went back to work just four weeks after the event and is now focusing on keeping fit and healthy thank you for supporting us at stroke stories by subscribing and rating and commenting you can help us spread the word and if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share we'd be very grateful if you get in touch via twitter or instagram our dms are always open the stroke stories podcast was produced by aidan judd i'm mark goodyear thanks for listening